Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Hey, man, what an incredible morning of worship, huh? You know, I feel like I say that almost every week, but every week I really, they fill me up, and the goal is to fill up God, not that he's empty, so that doesn't even make sense. But anyway, we've had an incredible morning of worship with sound. Hey, let's take a few moments and add silence to our worship. Would you bow your heads with me? Just take a moment. Tell God your word of, of praise, of gratitude, your word of confession. Maybe it's a, a word asking for help. Take a moment and speak to him. Lord, I, I worship you. I'm in awe of you. I don't, I don't understand how you do it. How in this moment right here, you hear and see each of us as an individual, as, as if we're here by ourselves. You're devoted to the words that just came out of our mouths. You'll move and you'll respond in ways that are right and good and perfect. And for that, Lord, we praise you. You hear our prayers in this room, all those watching online and Churches throughout this world, you hear every prayer, you care about every prayer. God, give us eyes of faith to see how you move and work this week and those few words we just offered to you. Lord, I, I do pray you are blessed and you find pleasure in our gathering this morning. Whether it's the songs we sing or the conversations that we have the teaching of your word. Lord, I pray all that we're doing is true, it is spiritual, it is right and good in your sight, and it, and it pleases you. Lord, I come before you today with so many exciting things going on in our church family. I, I lift up to you our, our choir that, that leads us in seeing you and in worshiping you each and every week as they go to Europe in this coming week ahead. And Lord, they move from cathedral to cathedral singing. Oh, Lord, as they worship God, would you use their voices, would you use that ministry to bring many new worshipers of God into the kingdom? And, Lord, as we rightly stop to pray about safe travel and a a, a good trip and a productive trip, I, I pray it would be our understanding, it would be our prayer that wherever we move, whether it's across the ocean or across the street, that our goal would be people become true worshipers of you. Lord, we just pray your blessing on that trip and their time together and the work that they'll do, the fun that they'll have. Lord, I pray you're pleased by all of it. We lift up to you our youth camp that is coming up next week. And Lord, pray you're going to meet them in an awesome way and do a great work in our young people to raise up a generation that will live greatly for you. In a, cult, in a culture where the need for you is going to become greater and greater. And Lord, we pray for safe travel and health and just great camaraderie and unity in that camp. And, and uh, Lord, that you're going to do a great ministry there. 
And Lord, as we pray about these things that are coming up, we pray about this moment in front of us right now. May you move, may you work, may you speak, may you heal, may you guide, may you forgive. May you fill us with hope and encouragement. Lord, let us see the wonder and the awe of you, and may that be the great pleasure of our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, today we come to the end of a three-month series of being renewed, of being reminded, of being refreshed in our understanding of the great commandments of God. I end probably doesn't sound right there, does it? We're not at the end of loving and wanting to know God and his commands and be in all of them, but we are at the end of the series. Three months now we've been at this. We took a couple of weeks and we looked at the great commandment, love God with all you are and have. That word is always used singular, great commandment. There's one But as Jesus speaks that great commandment, he says, but you can't mention that one without the other great commandment. They go hand in hand. You can't do one without the other. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. And then, boy, Jesus, as if that's not hard enough, makes it a little more difficult when he defines your neighborhood as planet Earth. Everybody is your neighbor, particularly the one you see in front of you that has a need. That, that's the immediate neighbor in front of you. So then comes the question, well, do I choose what love looks like? Do I choose how to love you, how to love my neighbor? And we moved into a study of the Ten Commandments to let God speak into that love. And in the Ten Commandments, he tells me what I do, what I don't do to love him, what I do, what I don't do to love you. And I think as we move through these commands, uh, I, I would imagine we all heard and saw some things we anticipated and expected to, to hear and see. Uh, maybe we saw some things we hadn't heard before, hadn't seen before. We, we had a couple of surprises. I know as I studied these old commands, I, knew, I learned some new things in these and all of it just bringing me in awe of God, His perfection. The the perfection of his understanding of me, of you, of life, and then the words he speaks into that life. He's awesome. He's good. His word doesn't miss. His commands don't miss. I love studying the word of God. But then there's a dark side to it. There's a harder side of studying the word of God. Because when I look at those commands, I see the evil that is me. Isn't it interesting? We're just overwhelmed by the idea that a loving God wouldn't let somebody into heaven. And we we almost make it like, God, you need to back this up. You need to prove your what's wrong with you that every one of us wouldn't go to heaven. And yet you look at the commands and you realize, I'm nothing like God. I'm nothing like his heaven. Why would I ever for a single second think that I have some kind of claim On heaven. But then there's the good news. There's Jesus, right? I mean, the commands not only guide me in how to live life, but they remind me, boy, I really need Jesus Christ. And he is there. He's there for me. He's he's there for you. And so today we come to the 10th commandment, which is a warning 
about all the things that will keep you and I from really holding on to Christ. All of the things that even after we believe on Jesus and come to Jesus will continue to call us away from him and say, no, no, life is over here. There's more and better for you over here. And you know, we need that warning because we hear that voice for more and better somewhere else. Let's look at it. Would you turn with me today to Exodus chapter 20? Gosh, we're not going to say that next week. I It's just going to be a traffic jam next week trying to figure out where we're turning to other than Exodus 20. We've been turning there since May 1st. I imagine we all got that good and marked in our Bible or on our Bible app. One more time, Exodus chapter 20, and I'll begin reading there in verse 1. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and on the se- and rested on the seventh day. And therefore the Lord God blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And then our our command for the day, number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. So I want to start this morning by uh, zooming out. The, way, the reason I say zooming out is what do we do each week? We're looking at the Ten Commandments, and each week we zoom in on a particular commandment. But there's been two or three times through the course of this that I've, I've tried to answer or speak to a larger question about all Ten Commandments. I kind of zoom out, and I want to do that just for a moment here on the use of the word servant. We see the word servant here used four different times in the fourth command, in the tenth command. And we're in a passage that's not just a passage. It's not just an important passage. It's a central passage to the whole Bible. And it so fluidly, so nonchalantly uses the word servant, slave. We might think, God, wouldn't this be a good place to say don't have slaves? 
As a matter of fact, some will read the Bible, various passages, even a passage like this, and say, God, God must be okay with slavery. I mean, right here he's using the word. He has a chance to speak against it and, and nothing. As a, as a matter of fact, he just kind of speaks about it as it's a, a fact of life. So what does God think of slavery? Well, the first thing we need to understand is that the word slavery is not a word that covers all the kinds of slavery and servanthood that humanity and history has thrown at us. When you and I think of slavery, we tend to think of American history, American slavery, and what that was. Does, does God say anything about that? You know, I'm glad you asked. Turn to, well, the next page. Right here in the law, Exodus 21, verse 16. Exodus 21, verse 16, whoever steals a man and sells him, whoever kidnaps, whoever captures, whoever takes somebody and sells them, and anyone found in possession of the person who was kidnapped, of the person who was taken and then sold, shall be put to death. That seems like a pretty clear statement on where God is on this. Very, very clear. The, the people, the person who does that should be killed. That, that, that's in the law. So, okay, if God's saying that right here, then why is he using the word servant over here? Well, so what God is speaking against is a person who's taken against their will. A lot of the servant, servanthood, slavery that we read about in the Bible, and this is where the confusion happens, are not people who've been captured, it's people who've put themselves into slavery. In most cases, that's not the job I dreamed of growing up. In most cases, I, you know, hey, one day I want to be, I want to be this. No, what happens? It's, it's true just as today as it was back then. We get ourselves into trouble. We get ourselves into a mess financially. Maybe it's our fault. Maybe it's just circumstances. But now I'm in, I'm in, I've got a problem. And that's where a lot of people would sell themselves into slavery. Almost half the Roman Empire was a slave. Doctors could be slaves. Business owners could be slaves. And so slavery, that kind of servant, it's just been a part of life. And God is speaking to it because it is the experience of so many. Why would he not speak to that? So if you were looking at a spectrum of what we think of as American slavery and today's American employee with the rights and privileges and benefits and all that, the word servant that is used so often through the scriptures probably falls about right here on the spectrum, okay? It's, it's not what we think of in terms of slavery. God is not okay with that one sentence. He speaks very clearly against that. And that's not the only sentence, and I could do a lot more to explain this, a lot more thorough job, but that's not my goal today. But I did want to give speak a quick, quick word to that as we read this important passage and see that word thrown out so much. So, God's against slavery. If that's not clear, read Exodus 21, verse 16. So, now we get back to our command for the day, which is, thou shalt not covet. Don't yearn for, don't desire, don't constantly be looking over there and trying to get more, trying to get better. Now, if there was a command I was going to disagree with, oh, Lord, please, I pray you didn't hear me say that. <laughs> I don't want to disagree with the command of God. I really don't. 
But if there was one, I would think, well, now, what, wait a minute, Lord. Isn't there maybe some good things that come from wanting more and better, which is just another way of saying coveting? Boy, hey, I, I wish I could have that. I, I, now, I'm, I'm all in with God. I probably should not look at my neighbor's spouse and want her. I, I get that. But, but just the whole concept, the whole spirit and drive, hey, that's better than what I've got. That's more than what I want that. You know, there is a positive aspect of that. I would actually point to, well, America as, a, as an example of that, that, that spirit of, of wanting more and wanting better because we can have a more and we can have a better life. Capitalism thrives on this, and I'm a big proponent of, of capitalism. You, you do realize every single commercial you watch is not only tempting you to covet, it's counting on you coveting, right? Here's something you don't have. Look how much better life could be if you did. Now go get it. I mean, like legally and honestly, right? But, but now go get it. Now, as I talk about this, you know, I'm talking about coveting as if all we're talking about is shallow little things we'll have around our house. But I actually think it's that same spirit, that same drive for more and better that invents new medicines, that, that explores outer space, that, that builds, that advances, that, that makes things better. I, I don't know. I mean, what's the opposite of covet? It would be kind of contentment, right? Doesn't that just kind of kill the spirit? Oh, I'm just going to be happy with what I got. Not going to get any more, not going to get any better, just going to sit here and be happy. You know, in America, that's kind of how contentment sounds, doesn't it? <sighs> I mean, God, is that, what, is that what you're calling for here? But you know, the funny thing is, the very America, I think, proves how good coveting can be. Well, all of a sudden, America becomes the very proof of why we need this command. Because the fact is, we, we have walked on the moon. We've not only invented new medicines, we've actually conquered diseases. We've learned to manage many other diseases. We've got whole new technologies and advancements that aren't just for a few, but in that more and better, man, we've created a wide open field for so many more people to experience more and better. We have homes with such technology and comforts I mean, even 50 years, forget 2,000 years, 50 years ago, they could not imagine the homes we live in now. And yet, with all of this that we have, with all the more and better we've achieved, suicide's at the highest rate it's ever been. Ever. Ever. Not, at a, not high for right. Ever. We're killing ourselves at a greater rate than has ever been measurable. With, with all of our more and better, and I hate to use this word, it's clearly going to be the word of the decade, but we are in a pandemic of mental health issues. Mental health issues with all this more and better that we've achieved. With, with all of our accomplishments, think 
of what we've accomplished, not just America, mankind. Think of all we have accomplished. Have we even made a dent in the human conflict? The conflict between nations, the the conflict between peoples. Have we solved a single problem inside a family? Have we eradicated any of that conflict at all? Not one bit. You know, folks, and I'm not suggesting you didn't know this when you read this command. When when God tells us not to covet, he's, he's not saying don't strive for more. Don't strive for better. Don't strive for excellence. Stop learning. Just be happy to sit there and do nothing. That's, that's not what God is saying. But what he is saying as we go out to do this is, here's a warning, you guys get stuck in your pursuit of more and better. And, and I'm just going to tell you, get, get more, get better, solve the diseases, walk on the moon, make nice home, do all that. But all the more and better that you want is not going to give you what you need. It's not going to give you that love, that worth, that value, that purpose. The more and the better will never accomplish that. Why? Because we're broken. We're, we're broken. You're broken. I'm broken. We're born broken. And you know, it doesn't take us very long to realize that we're broken. And, and so pretty early on, I, I, hey, something's wrong with me. I've got I, I to fix me. And it's such an appropriate word here, neighbor. Obviously, I'm not the answer. Obviously, I'm... So what I do, I I look out at the people around me. Now, the smaller you are and the younger you are, you got a pretty limited field of what to work with, right? Maybe this toy will do it. Some of us are still trying to figure out if the toy will do it. You know, my mom and dad, I mean, hey, they're from God. Surely God has some plan for my fix coming through my, my mom and dad. And you know, those can be good things, but it just never quite gets me there. I'm still broke. So I I get a little bit older and some other options come into a field of view. I've got friends now. And and I get a little older and man, my, my, my option list really starts to grow. I mean, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. We're getting really now to try some good stuff, some fun stuff. And, and as I get older, the list just gets longer and longer of the things I can try. And many of these things are good things. They're, they're good things. They can have good application in our lives. Some of these things are actual gifts of God. But, but as I possess those things, as I get more of them or I get better of them, again, it, I mean, it made me laugh. It provided what I wanted to do. It helped me to do what I wanted to do, experience what I want to experience. But there's still just a, gosh, there's a smidge of emptiness there. There's still just a little bit of brokenness there. So, you know, I keep searching. And and, and I keep looking. And, And all I've got is you. I just keep looking at what seems to be making you happy. Where are you finding answers? I'm just trying to figure something out. Oh, guess what? I've just learned. I know now. I finally figured out why I'm not happy. I'm not the gender I thought I was. No, no. Folks, I'm not being funny. Everybody's broke. 
And you and I mock and hate and make fun of the way that some people try to fix their brokenness. But their brokenness is no different than you. And we're all trying to run out. Hey, well, will this make me whole? Will this give me worth? I'm going I'm to try a new gender. Oh, I've, you know, I didn't see this, but now that I, I'm not broke. Culture's broke. And I'm just dealing with the fallout of it. So now culture, culture needs to fix itself and then come give me what they owe me because they're broke. And so we're just all these things going on. And now, oh, praise the Lord, we have social media. Do you know what social media does? It makes the entire world your neighbor. So now I'm not limited to what the people on my street or my work or my school, I'm not limited to looking at them to find out what's making you happy. And by the way, you know, I'm all, we're all out here looking for life. Guess what? People are looking at you because they think you found it. We're all just fooling each other. We're all just playing a game. But so now I've, I've got social media so I can flip. Look how happy they are with that food. Look how happy they are in those clothes. Look how happy they are with that person. Look how happy they are. Look how happy they are. I must need that. I must, that clearly that'll solve my broken. Coveting is a, is a, is a tricky animal. It says, come get life. Matter of fact, coveting will come get you by the hand and say, let's go explore more and better together. And while it holds your hand, it eats your life. And it's tiring. It's tiring trying new things. It's tiring coming up empty. It's tiring seeing the list get shorter and shorter. I mean, that's, that's the advantage of being young. I, I don't know yet that all these things I'm going to try don't work. So I, I, I've got hope. <laughs> and I can be happy. I'm going to try now what my friends are trying. I'm going to try now what Instagram is saying to try. I don't know what age it happens at for each of us. I, I think maybe some people, maybe because of the severity of, of how something fails, it can come kind of young. But at some point in our age, our list of options starts to decline. And that's exhausting. I'm running out of list. My my list is getting shorter and shorter. I'm running out of things to try to tell myself that I have worth and value, that I'm lovable, and that my life means something. My life counts for something. It's exhausting coming up empty. And then you die. That's all I got. God bless. Have a good week. (laughs) We'll see you next Sunday. You know, the only thing that makes good news really good is, is when you understand the bad news. And here the sweet, precious invitation of Christ and understanding our exhaustion, our tiredness with trying to make something work, trying to bring healing, hope, fulfillment, life, and love into my life. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11, come to me. Is there anybody who can't know all? There's no, no, no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, all the invitation is open to all, all who are let labor and are heavy laden, and, I, and I'll give you rest. You know, if the sentence stopped right there, I, you know, I might wonder, what, what, what is Jesus offering me? Is he offering me a good nap? 
you know, a weekend where I can step back and get a break from it all? Is he offering me a great vacation? Just, just escape life and just charge up and fill the tanks. No, it's the rest of the sentence that makes it so important. You'll find rest for your soul. I, I want to heal down here what never shows up on Instagram. I, I want to heal down here what TikTok and the news and politics. I want to heal down here where none of them ever speak to. I want to I heal what's going. When, when can you really rest? When everything's okay. When I am full, when I am satisfied, and life is good. That's when I can go, and I can rest. And Jesus is wanting to offer you and I that, not for a moment, not for a weekend. He wants to offer us that for all of life on this earth and for eternity. And I'm guessing that a reason a lot of us are sitting here today or are watching online is because we believe that, right? Jesus made an offer, sounds good, I'm not coming up with any answers, and I run and I hold on to Jesus. And do you know that even as I hold on to Christ, I can't help but leave here today, go out to my car, pull up into my driveway and go, well, what's my neighbor got? Is that new? Is that new? I can't stop looking for what's making other people happy. And you know, as long as I'm doing that, I'm never actually going to experience. I wonder how many of us would say, I've really experienced the deep, meaningful, abiding rest of Christ. Imagine, some of us have for a moment, but but ongoing. And Jesus warns us why we're not enjoying, as his followers, as his believers... As the ones who believe he is the rest. Let me tell you why you're not experiencing it. And he warns us and he takes us right back to the 10th commandment. Take care. Be on your guard against what? All covetousness. Now he gets to the end and says, hey, your life isn't your possessions. But let me go back up. All covetousness. So really after possessions, we could put comma and say or. Your life is not the abundance of your possessions or the abundance of your relationships. You know, as Americans, we're very tied into money and things. We tell ourselves, you got to remember the importance of relationships. Relationships are incredibly important. Over half the Ten Commandments are about your relationships. But relationships will not give you rest. Relationships will not fit. The relationships that come straight from God, mom and dad, a spouse, children, will not fill your soul. God did not create another human being to be able to do that for you. These things, you're looking for more, better, prettier, taller, richer, sweeter. It's, it's, it's not going to do it. You know, I I struggled with today's message, and I guess because, I mean, I guess this could be said for all the commands. But I I find coveting very multifaceted. You know, how do I approach this? Where where do I go with it? You know, I, I could talk about what we covet. Not just you and me individually, but what does humanity universally, there are, there's a handful of things we all covet. We all think if I had a little more of that, if I had, it would make life better. Every one of us in here that bows to Jesus, prays to Jesus, looks at something and says, oh, if I had that, it'd make life better. 
it, it, it would make life better. So do I look at the what's, and then we just kind of go to the lab and put that what, that what on the Bunsen burner there and turn it up. Hey, we've got thousands of years of human history. Has that particular what ever worked for anybody? And we just, we just observe. We just let science do its work and observe are these things that we covet doing what we think they're going to do. I think, I think the evidence would be really clear, but we don't stop, do we? <laughs> Maybe the why, obviously the why, if I can resolve the why we covet, that's, I'm kind of dancing around that in today's message. Maybe the how. How do I attack? Okay, I've got this problem. I can't stop looking at what my neighbor has. So how how do I attack this? And the scripture gives us two real clear things. Gratitude and contentment. They sound very similar and they do go together, but they're not the same. There's a discipline to work on both. And we could talk talk about that. Having gratitude, being, being content. As a matter of fact, gratitude and contentment are probably the two biggest issues in mental health. Why do we have a growing mental health problem? Because if you're in anything in America, it's ungrateful and discontent. That's, you don't have to say, yes, I am. No, no I mean, it's, just, it's just our nature. As a whole, we're discontent. We have everything under the sun, but we're discontent. Why? Because more and better doesn't work. God's been trying to tell us that since he gave us the Ten Commandments. You know, I I guess I came to the conclusion, and I'm not saying I'm right. I came to the conclusion, it doesn't matter what you and I understand about this command or if I can come up with some crazy new way to shed some light on it that you see it like you've never seen it before. Here's the bottom line. Until you're absolutely exhausted of looking at what your neighbor has, you will not fully cling to Christ. Until you are exhausted of looking at what your neighbor has, the one across the street and and the one on the phone, until you've just worn out you know, I wonder, do I have the courage to pray? And I, I'm saying that, I'm not sure I do. I, I, I always get nervous telling God to break me. <laughs> what if he answers that prayer? Lord, I was kidding. Put it back together. <laughs> do I have the courage to pray, God, I want you to absolutely exhaust me and break me until I look to you alone. Exhaust me and break me until I finally realize that more and better won't actually fix anything in here. It might make me laugh, might make me happy for a moment, might give me a good warm feeling in my tummy, but the brokenness will still be there. Do you trust God to say, exhaust me and break me of looking at my neighbor? Till I cling only to you. For I want the rest. I want the peace. I want the love. I want the purpose. I want the life. That only you. Can give. Let's pray. Father would you give me. And I pray pray by faith on behalf of all of us, would, would you give us 
the courage to trust you with that prayer. Make me so sensitive this week to the things, the people, the experiences that I'm looking to to give myself life. I want to look to you alone because I I really do believe you are the answer. Help me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.